is where the industry insiders come to play. The download on the download. Movers and shakers off the course and the pros inside the ropes. Welcome to Slice with Brian Bushlack. Presented by True Spec Golf. Save 50% on your custom club fitting experience with the promo code SLICE50. Visit truespecgolf.com and click on book now. Well, the Arnold Palmer Invitational underway this weekend, and our friend Peter Jacobson back on the air with NBC and Golf Channel, also celebrating his 68th birthday. Happy birthday, Jake. Always nice to have Peter back on the show with us to chat about Tiger and Charlie, his Cantlay crystal ball, and other fun stuff on this episode. Well, Jake, thanks for joining us. Uh, Last time we saw you on television was in Orlando at the PNC Father-Son. What a weekend that was, and I know uh, you had to enjoy every minute of it from the booth. It was really an amazing event. I was so proud that Tiger came back and played so well. Tiger's, his recovery is nothing short of remarkable. What he's gone through after the after the auto accident and all the rehab, he looked great. He swung the club beautifully. I think it's going to be problematic for him this year, 22. I think everybody expects that he's going to come out and play Augusta and all the majors. I think it's going to be a while for him to play because at the PNC, he rode a cart. He was there playing with his son, Charlie. And Charlie was playing from the FTs. So a lot of times Tiger didn't have to hit driver because they just, it was an alternate char. I should say it was a scramble. So they used Charlie's drive. So yeah. I think Tiger has made a remarkable recovery. That event, that whole, that whole competition with the dailies and the woods and really everybody in that event. It's such a special tournament that's grown in stature. Everybody used to think it was a hit and giggle. Not anymore. When you've got Hall of Fame players like Tiger Woods and and all the others playing in this event, it's a special event. But I think the first go out of the block for Tiger, I think was a was a complete success. Yeah, you don't obviously we're thankful he's still alive, so we want to keep perspective on that. I mean, it that is remarkable by itself. He makes this comeback, and you know after what he did uh, to come back the last time, I think it's kind of a natural thing for golf fans to think, okay, hey, he can do it again. But this is a totally different deal. Well, it is. And and I know that we always think that our heroes are are immortal. And you're right. The fact that Tiger survived that crash and then we expect so much. We think, oh, he's going to come back. He's got a a cape on his back like Superman. But Tiger... Tiger is, uh, he's like all the rest of us. He's, he's going to have to take his time to, to come back from that injury. And I did talk to him down there, and he said that he's been spending a lot of time talking to Casey Martin, the University of Oregon golf coach, who I'm sure everybody remembers. Casey won that Supreme Court decision to ride a cart on the PGA Tour when he competed out there. 
because of his uh, birth defect of his right leg. Yeah. Now, since then, Casey has lost his right leg. They had to amputate it because he had he had broken his leg and it just didn't heal properly. So Casey is being fit for a prosthetic as we speak. But he was talking a lot with Tiger about how to turn on a damaged right leg and how to how to get into his left side. So it was interesting to hear Tiger talking to Casey so much. He and Casey played together at Stanford. They won an NC2A team championship together. So they're very close. And it's a Casey Martin is going to be a great resource for Tiger going forward. So ultimately, you think maybe, you know, this could progress a little bit, but you know, Tiger's getting up there a little bit in age as well. So, I mean, you think maybe we might see him play a handful of tournaments this year, or I mean, certainly not going to be back in time for the Masters. It's interesting when you say that because you're right. He's 46 now and age, father time's undefeated, as you know, (laughs) and age is going to work against him after this injury. If he were 25 or 30, I think he would rebound quicker. But we all know as we get older, when we have some sort of an injury, it just takes longer and you're just, it's harder to get back to 100%. I don't think we'll see Tiger play well, I might go out on a limb here and say, I'm not sure we'll see him play anywhere in 22 in this year, simply because, first of all, I don't think he'll play Augusta because Augusta is so hilly. That's the same as Brookline for the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship, which is in Southern Hills in Tulsa. I don't think we'll see any of those majors, but the only major I could see Tiger playing would be the 150th Open Championship at St. Andrews in July Okay. for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's flat. As you know, it, it's not a long golf course. It's flat, and it's very special to everybody in the world of golf, and especially to Tiger. He's won there. It is the home of golf. It would be an incredible celebration if Tiger were to play in light of his, his injuries and what he went through. So, I hold out hope that he could play the open in July, but quite honestly, Brian, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we'll see him much before then simply because of his rehab schedule and trying to get his strength back. Yeah, that's a great point. And I hadn't heard anybody say that. So I appreciate you bringing that up because that would be a pretty emotional and historic return for him. And if he played one tournament, right, (laughs) this year, that would be it, and what a spectacle that would be. That's the one event. We were talking about it at the PNC, Dan Hicks and Noda and, and Gary Cope. We were all just kind of kicking that around in the production trailer, and we thought if there was one major that he would play in 22, it would be the Open at St. Andrews. Now, could be wrong. I'm just, I'm just speculating. I'm not, I am not in the workout room. Or, or in the in the rehabilitation clinic as as Tiger's going through his rehab, I don't know, but I I'm only speculating like everybody else in the world. What's it like for you to watch Tiger with Charlie after you and I were both able to experience Tiger with his father Earl Woods, particularly at the 1996 U.S. Amateur there in our backyard at. Pumpkin Ridge in the Portland area. And how does Tiger handle Charlie in relation to how his dad handled him? It's got to be a different approach. It is. And it, it's really interesting. When I was at the PNC, I was talking quite a bit with Mike Thomas, 
Justin Thomas's father because they played together with Tiger and Charlie the first day. And in an interview, actually, on NBC, Mike Thomas said that his father was really tough on him. Mike Thomas is a PGA professional, yeah. uh, one of the best teachers in the game, one of the great club pros in the game, and a wonderful guy. His dad was tough on Mike, so Mike decided that he wasn't going to be as tough on Justin, and he was going to kind of let Justin develop on his own. I, it sure seems to me to be that way with Tiger. Uh, I was involved with Tiger and Earl a little bit when Tiger was here at, at Pumpkin Ridge, or I should say in Portland at, at Pumpkin Ridge. And then my caddy at the time, Mike Cowan, Fluff, yep. went to work for Tiger. So we played a few practice rounds. We had a few dinners together and Earl was there. And and Earl was a taskmaster. We know that. Yeah. And but But look what he created. He created arguably the, the greatest golfer of all time. So I don't, I don't, I'm not privy to what Charlie and Tiger go through, but it sure seems to me that <laughs> when Charlie was making putts and hitting shots and throwing out the fist pumps and, and exhibiting all of the, the traits that Tiger did and Tiger does, all Tiger could do was look at his son and smile. That, that, that what are you doing type smile and it was so great to see and so heartwarming to see that because we know Tiger to be the 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 incredible Iceman. I always compare him to Ben Hogan. When Tiger was playing and winning, boy, nothing cracked his, his facade. He was into it. And uh, watching him with, with Charlie, he seemed to be probably having more fun than anybody watching his son compete. Yeah. Well, I'll never forget, you know, hanging out a little bit with Earl at uh, Pumpkin, and, you know, he's puffing his cigarette and following Tiger around and gruffing about this and that. And afterward, it was my first experience with, hey, you know, I'm used to working with Peter Jacobson. We're going to walk right up there and do an interview and smoke and joke and goof off. And, man, we tried that with Tiger, and he totally blew me off and then (laughs) went went over to the driving range, and we actually followed him over there. And he looked at me like, if you take one more step, toward me on this driving range after the the round where there's nobody else out there i'm gonna kill you and (laughs) that's you know so i mean that's where my first experience was this guy is pretty serious jake i think he's gonna be pretty good um so you know totally different approach with that and it it, it was that's what for me was kind of heartwarming to watch as a golf fan was to see tiger out there with the fist bumps and the high fives and he was definitely locked in i mean you could tell but a different kind of locked in. And I think that's so great because, uh, I mean, Charlie is a really good golfer. He's not a big kid. He's only 12, so he's obviously got a lot of time to grow. But I said it on the telecast. I think technically Charlie's swing is as good as anybody in the game. When I say technically, I mean his grip, his address position, his turn, his position at the top his position at impact, the release, everything was spot on. And all he needs, and he hit the ball right down the middle of the fairway, and he had a great putting stroke. So all Charlie's going to need is some time to, to get bigger, to get stronger. And I think if he continues to progress the way that he has, he's got a future in the game. Obviously, he's got a great role model in Tiger, his dad. But you're right about, about going back to Pumpkin when Tiger was winning 
the one thing that everybody has to do, everybody that competes at the highest level has to find their way, whether it's Ben Hogan's way, whether it's Lee Trevino or Fuzzy Zeller, they hit a shot, they turn to the crowd and they start talking. That's, that's their way. Yeah. Some, sometimes I think that's their way to relax. That's the way that I always would relax. I could, I could hit a shot, hand my club to my caddy, and then I, could, I would depart. I would get out of my mindset by talking to the marshal, talking to somebody, going over to talk to my wife, go talk to, to anybody, and then I could get back in. So I was in and out of that world uh, quite a bit. Some people like Tiger don't do that. They have to stay in it. And, and I would never, ever question uh, anybody's way. They, you just have to figure out your way. And that was Tiger's way. And uh, somebody like Daly, when you watch John, John will hit a tee shot. You could yell something from the crowd like, nice, nice drive, John. He'll turn to you in, smile and wave and walk over and talk to you. So, but, but you're right. Back in the day, uh, Tiger was, uh, Tiger was intense, but he was the man. <laughs> well, you were the man too in the Portland area with that Fred Meyer challenge. I can't talk to you without bringing that up every time. Uh, we had so many great experiences there over the years, and obviously, what you did uh, with that exemplified how you play. And it was great to see you back on air at the PNC. We talked a little bit about this uh, prior to our taping here, and it sounds like you're going to have more opportunities now with the expansion on ESPN Plus, and uh, you know, a little bit of a, a roster change. It sounds like at NBC and Golf Channel, so we will see you more. Uh, this season, it sounds like. I really love to do the broadcast. I'm not playing much at all anymore. It's 68 years old. I, I, I'm not going to venture out of, against the young kids. And when I say that, I don't mean the young kids on tour. I mean the 50-year-olds on the Champions Tour. <laughs> Those are the young kids in my <laughs> world now. But it's it's fun for me to be able to get out and be still be in the arena and talk about golf. Uh, Jim McKay, who was with us, Bones, uh, he's now left NBC to go back to work for Justin Thomas as his caddy. And Justin Leonard, who works for NBC also, he's turning 50 in May. So I don't know if he's going to play full time on the Champions Tour. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I would encourage anybody uh, with the resume of a, of a Justin Leonard or anybody that has that game when they turn 50 to continue to chase your dream of winning tournaments because the champions tour, when you turn 50, it, it's the greatest mulligan in sports, <laughs> whether or not you, you played well on the PJ tour, whether you won majors, whether you won tournaments, when you turn 50 and you still have your game. Wow. It is, it is so fun to be able to go tee it up again and compete against your peers. So this year, I think I'm going to be doing a little bit more with NBC and golf channel so it's 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 always fun for me to put my schedule together and and it's it's an honor for them to 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 have me. I'm I'm uh, I'm humbled that they want me to continue to be on their air. Yeah. Well, it's great having you and uh, I thought the PNC was a great example of that and you know, having fun the perspective you bring, all of that. It's it's going to be great to see you back and could you have ever imagined having a a lineup of superstars every week on the PGA Tour with, I mean, you know, it used to be a handful of guys were, you know, pretty likely to win it. Then you had the next tier down that might win it, and then you had a bunch of other guys. And now, I mean, 
every week. It is hyper competitive. It's like an all-star game literally every every week on the PGA Tour. First of all, there are no more par fives in the game of golf. I know it may say a par five on the card, but the way that the players hit the ball, as far as they hit it now, every hole's either a par three or a par four. So even though it might say 72 par or 71 par, or in Kapalua's case, par was 73, it's not that. So uh, whatever it is, it's uh, there are no par fives, number one. Number two, the game of golf has grown so dramatically around the world. There's so much knowledge around the world that we're seeing players pop up in every corner of the globe to come over and, well, they'll start on their home tours and then they progress to the PGA Tour and then they progress to the majors. It's inspiring and it's fun for me now that I'm doing television to be able to see the kind of talent that emerges and then comes over and plays on the PGA Tour. And you're right. There are so many players that could win week in and week out. Look at last week at the Century. Who would have thought before the week that Cameron Smith was going to win? Probably of if you put together 20 golf riders in the room, not one of them would, would have picked Cameron Smith. Yep. But Cameron Smith, is a he, he's quiet. He's an Aussie. He's a quiet kid. He's got that really great mullet, which is a lot of people know him for. <laughs> he's a great ball striker. He's an incredible putter. And he's an incredible competitor. And what I tell the young kids whenever anybody asks my opinion, I tell them that, first of all, to win on the PGA Tour, you have to eliminate mistakes. You, you, you always make a lot of birdies, but you need to eliminate the bogeys, number one. And number two, kind of like when you see these great, when these great programs that win, like Alabama or Georgia or Coach K at Duke or Dana Altman with his basketball program at Oregon, You've got to build that culture of confidence and that culture of winning. You have to expect yourself to win, like Tiger, like Jack, like Arnold, like Ben Hogan. You have to go out there and you have to expect the best. I would say Justin Thomas is in that league. John Rahm is in that league. You just have to expect the most out of yourself. And you can't question it. And there are so many kids today when they tee it up this week is the is the Sony Open in Hawaii. You might as well put the names on the on the on the wall and throw a dart because every one of them could win. There are there are so many players, much more than when I played, and much more than way back in the in the uh, in the seventies, that could win today. It's uh, it's pretty impressive the the lineup of talent. Yeah, it it is. I mean, I'm looking at the official world golf rankings right in front of me here. Rom at one, Colin Morikawa number two, and there's Patrick Cantlay. And on this show or in our conversations over the past four or five years, you've been saying Patrick Cantlay, Patrick Cantlay, and boy, last year was the year, player of the year. It all came together for him, and you called it. Well, it, I think from my, my standpoint, being a, a former player and now a, a TV analyst, what I what I always try to do is I, I try to analyze every aspect of their game, not just the driver and the irons and the wedges and the putters, but how do they approach a tournament? And Patrick, to me, is kind of a quiet assassin. He's a great young man, really smart, uh, one of the top amateurs in the, in the country when he played 
played at UCLA, but I've been with him a lot and I've asked him a lot of questions and he's, he's very introspective when he talks and the, when he analyzes subjects and especially his game. And he's also, he's also critical of his own game. That's the one thing. It's one thing to be, it's, it's one thing to be confident, but it's another thing to be unrealistic. You can't be unrealistic about your game. If you're not a good putter or not a good chipper uh, wedge player, you've got to understand that and face it. Go look at the stats, see where you're failing. And if you are making too many bogeys, and, and a lot of times a lot of the young kids come out and they will miss greens and they'll hit bad chips and they'll miss the putt and make a bogey. Well, you got to analyze your game and understand that you need work yeah. in this one area. Patrick has always been that that way. Rom is that way. Justin Thomas is that way. They don't they don't have any ego tied into to what the, how, what they do and how they do it. They just go get better at it. And and that's what's that's what's great about these young kids coming up is is they want opinions, they want your advice, and once they understand it, they're going to go work on it. What was it about Cantlay that you thought would get him into that top five or ten? He didn't really make any mistakes. He didn't have any weaknesses. Patrick has a great golf swing. He drives the ball beautifully, a really solid iron player, obviously a great short game. He, he works with a coach down in California named Jamie Mulligan, who's a good friend of mine. And whenever Jamie's out, we always, we always have the chance to talk about Patrick. And he said Patrick just understands what he needs to do to win. And he burst out of the scene. He's been slowly getting better every year, but last year we saw him win. He's been a stud in Ryder Cups and President's Cups. It would not surprise me to see him reach number one this year. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, that's a great point because, you know, when Justin Thomas literally burst onto the scene at the Sony with that course record a few years ago, you know, it was the, well, here's Jordan Spieth's best friend. And we heard that for the first year he was on tour. But, I mean, he really did, right? I mean, he came on with a bang and we're like, wow, this guy. And you're right, Cantley. it's been more of a, a slower progression and a climb to the top four or five versus that how who's this guy right well you think about great players in other sports michael jordan wanted the basketball with the last with the last 20 seconds he wanted the ball larry bird wanted the ball nicholas wanted that last putt tiger wanted that last putt i love to look at these young kids and see how they are under pressure mm. if they hit a bad shot how do they respond uh, when they're under pressure how do they respond do they wilt do they go away do they do they miss the little putt under pressure or do they make it? Think of Tiger and all the great putts he's made under pressure. This, the situation where you have to make that free throw, you have to make that jump shot, you have to make that 12-footer to get into a playoff or to win. That defines you and that defined Tiger over the years, that defined Jack, that defined Faldo, defined Crenshaw, especially at Augusta when he won twice. And, and that's really how I look at these kids, Cantlay, Justin Thomas, John Rum, uh, Dustin, these guys, DeBrooks Kepka, these guys, when they, when they, when they feast, when they, when they look, they look the devil in the eye, they look pressure in the eye. They seem to, 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 to back it down with their stare like Tiger did. So I, I always love to look at that much more than their, 
their physical game, their driving, their chipping, or their putting. I just like to look in their eyes and see how they how they respond. Yeah, and and you have to have played the game like you have to 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 have that insight. So we appreciate you sharing that. You know, and there's that era where we're all you know you got to get beefed up and you got to work out and all that and, and you know a lot of the guys still do that but that, what i love about having john rom as number one is he's got that dad bod like me and i feel like i can relate to him you know i mean he's <laughs> right and he is a dad now so and the guy is good <laughs> yeah he he was good back at arizona state when he played and he's another guy that's just been learning slowly learning he played great in college. It's an amazing story. He came over from Spain. Phil Mickelson's brother, Tim, was the coach at Arizona State. And he recruited John Rom to come to Arizona State. And John did, but he never spoke. He didn't speak a word of English. So he learned when he was on campus at Arizona State, which, wow. is, which is incredible. And then he got, obviously, he learned the language. And he got better. And Tim Mickelson saw something in John Rahm that obviously has been bearing fruit forever. John Rahm's a threat to win every time he tees it up. And you're right. He's father now. He's a wonderful guy. I really like John. Easy to talk to. But he's intense when he's out there. And again, I've always said from the first tee to the 18th green, you can be as intense as you want because you have to do what you need to do to win. But John Rahm, you watch, he's going to get better. He's going to get stronger. Uh, he's going to grow up. He's going to get a little bit uh, a little bit more intense with, with the way that he approaches winning. Uh, you saw he birdied the last two holes at Torrey Pines last year to win the U.S. Open. Yeah. Now, that's clutch. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Is it fair to, you know, at the beginning of a season, and you this is what you do for a living, so – this is why I'm going to ask. You, know, you used to be able to say, hey, this is going to be the year. It's this guy. Well, I mean, you really honestly can't do that anymore, can you? Well, I think you can to a certain degree. There are players that have trends. There are players that are moving in that direction. I think Cantley's, Patrick Cantley's one of those players. Okay. John Rahm's another player. Jordan Spieth was that player. He won three majors really early on in his career. And then he went, he went backwards. He went into a bit of a slide, but we're seeing him come back again. I, I really like to see a player who has reached the, the, the pinnacle of success. And then when they fall back, it happens to everybody. How do they respond? And Spieth came back. He's won again and he's back in the mix. So uh, to me, when you develop that kind of scar tissue, I think that defines you in my book. And, and, and uh, I certainly give gold stars to Jordan Spieth for having been riding the wave. And then now he's, then he was down in the dumps. Now he's back riding the wave again. But there are some players, it's hard to predict. It's really hard to predict in any sport, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, doesn't matter. It's hard to predict. But I think there are certain trends and certain players moving in those directions that, that you can predict some players to do well thanks jake have a great season on nbc and we'll uh, check back with you soon you got it take care always great catching up with peter jacobson one of the game's great ambassadors entertainers obviously a great player as well and a great guy well speaking of great guys in our next release 
We'll catch up with Cutter and Buck CEO Joel Freed, who will take us behind the scenes at the transformation of his company. Now, if you haven't seen all the cool stuff Cutter and Buck is producing, check them out. More on that in our next episode of Slice. Thanks for downloading Slice, a presentation of Feedback Media. All rights reserved. Full disclosure, our legal department doesn't allow mulligans. 